0: I've heard it said that if you believe a lie, then you empower the liar. In that first reading we just heard, the Israelites are wandering around in the desert, right? And they're wandering around believing, somehow still believing, a lie. What lie did the Israelites wandering in the desert believe? That they were alone that they were abandoned, that no help would come, that they'd die out there of dehydration in the desert. Now, I think we need to pause and remember that this is the exact same group of people who had literally just seen Egypt, the greatest country in the ancient world. Egypt brought to its knees by signs and wonders from heaven. The Red Sea was literally parted right in front of their faces. They felt the dry floor of the sea with their own two feet. They saw the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day with their own two eyes. But for some reason, they were living according to a lie. We're alone. We are isolated. There's nobody to help us. God has abandoned us. Now, thankfully, Moses was not living according to that lie. Because when the people started to grumble and complain to him, he remembered that he was not alone, that he was not abandoned. And Moses immediately turns to the Lord, and he says, Lord, what shall I do with this people? And the Lord replies, strike the rock with the staff. In other words, don't believe the lie. Reject it, and claim the truth that you already know, that I am God, that I'm on your side, that that water will gush forth, even in the desert. You will not die of thirst. I will give you the water that you need. I ask all of you here this evening, what kinds of lies about the Lord, about other people, or about yourself, what lies are we believing? Because if you believe a lie, then you empower the liar. Dr. Bob Schutz, director of the JP2 Healing Center down in Florida, and he's an author of a book called Be Healed. Excellent book, I highly recommend it. He says that whenever we get hurt, whenever we experience some sort of wound, when someone betrays us or rejects us, or or does something horrible to us, or just we are neglected somehow. That whenever that happens, we tend to internalize and start to believe identity lies, he calls them. Lies about who we are, who God is, and who other people are to us. And we start to believe those things, at least initially, in order to try to protect ourselves. We're trying to shield ourselves. It's like a coping mechanism, he says. It's like a protective cocoon that we build around our heart to try to distance ourselves from that wound that has been inflicted upon us. But, Dr. Bob Schutz says, in the long term, these lies become part of the mechanism by which our pain gets locked into our body and our soul. That's very striking, I think, that that when when we believe those lies, the pain of those wounds gets locked into our body and our soul. And so we begin to define ourselves by the lies, and we end up blocking ourselves off from the love of God, the love that we all thirst for, the living water that we all desire deep down. And this is sort of what the woman at the well was attempting to do in her own way as well, right? She believed the lie that nobody wanted to be around her. She believed the lie that she was hopeless, that she was an outcast, a reject. And so she came to the well at the absolute hottest part of the day, right? At noonday sun, when she was sure to be isolated and alone. But then Jesus decides to meet her. And he he starts to do what Jesus does best. He peels away that protective cocoon. Layer by layer, he takes away all of those lies that have been holding her bound. He dismantles them. He's not afraid of her sins. He's not afraid of her five husbands or the man that she's with right now. He's not daunted by any of that He still pursues her, and he wants to forgive her and empower her to live a holy life. He doesn't want to condemn her or judge her. And as the story unfolds, the woman at the well slowly begins to see the truth, right? She begins to see Jesus for who he really is. And in so doing, she starts to see herself for who she really is. So she's able to set down that jug. She runs off into the town. She tells everybody about Jesus. She set down the lies. And she believed Jesus instead, who is the way, the truth, and the life. What we believe really matters. What we believe about ourselves, about God, and about our neighbor, that really matters in a profound way. Those convictions, both good and bad, have power over us. And if we believe lies, well, then we empower the liar. We begin to think and act as if they're true. And before you know it, those lies will take on a life of their own. And the enemy, who we call the father of lies, will set up a stronghold in the core of our hearts. I'm reminded of that that scene in The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, where the creature Gollum is having an argument with himself. The evil side of Gollum. Warns that these hobbits that he has gotten mixed up with, they're just going to cheat him and hurt him like everybody else has. And the good side replies saying, No, master's my friend. He's going to treat me right. And then the evil voice responds, mocking him, right? You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. That's how the enemy, the father of lies, treats us. That's how he treated the woman at the well, pressuring her to isolate herself. The devil's game is to berate us and accuse us until we start to believe everything that he says. But Jesus thankfully treats us a whole lot differently. He approaches our soul with reverence. He knows all of our wounds. He understands what we've been through, He can see our sins, and he can see the effects that they've had on ourselves and on the people in our lives. And he sees all of that with perfect clarity and perfect charity. But he comes with a promise of healing. He says to each of us, the water I shall give you will become in you a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And he actually means it. And because he really means it, I'd like to take this opportunity to go ahead and expose some of the lies that we've probably been believing. Like right now. Let's just expose them to the light of Jesus. Let me ask you this. Do any of these lies sound familiar to you? I'm alone. It's all up to me. I need to control this situation. Everything is wrong and everything is falling apart. I am unwelcome. I can't do anything right. Nobody likes me. They only tolerate me. I'm a burden to those around me. I'm weird. I'm unlovable. I'm forgotten. I'm dirty. I'm worthless. God isn't listening to me. He doesn't care about me. Let's make something very, very, very clear. None of those statements are true. They're all lies. And so right here, in the name, power, and authority of Jesus, we bind, rebuke, and renounce each and every one of those lies. We send them to the foot of the cross. So let Jesus do with them what he will, be free from those lies. Set them down in Jesus' name, we pray. And instead, let the Lord who loves you, let Jesus define you, define who you are instead. Let the Lord who created you tell you who you really are. In this world, which is so disrupted and so very confused over questions of identity, rooted in this idea that we can create ourselves, this is all the more crucial. Allow Jesus Christ to define who you are. Not the lies, not the world and all of its emptiness. Not your own head, which is often so confused. I know mine is. Not your past wounds, not your mistakes or sins, not peer pressure, not politicians, not social media. Let Jesus define you. Because he knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you are along the journey. And he's not the least bit afraid to meet you there at the well. In fact, he's already got an appointment Scheduled with you. And if you agree to meet him there, he will share the truth, the real truth with you. The brutal truth about your real and actual sins. Yes, sins that he went to the cross in order to wipe completely away. But even better news, he will reveal the truth of your deepest identity in him. I'll end this homily by giving you something very practical that you can start doing in your everyday prayer life. It's a tool for you to begin living in the truth of who you really are and who God really is. And it's something that that some people have called like declarations, declarations of the truth. I'll teach you one easy declaration right now. So I invite you to repeat after me. I belong to God. Here's another one. I am one of his sheep. Here's another one. I can hear his voice. Here's another one. He takes care of me. Another one that we heard in our second reading tonight is is beautiful. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to try to repeat after me on that one. God proved his love for us when, not when we were perfect, not when we were holy. He proved his love for us when we were sinners. That's when he died for us. And we need to declare that. It's the truth. The power of the truth will disarm and blow to smithereens all of the lies that have held us hostage for way too long. This is exactly what the Lord did in the desert when Satan came to tempt him, isn't it? think way back to the first Sunday of Lent. I know it's a long time ago. The first Sunday of Lent we heard the story of Satan trying to serve Jesus a hot steaming bowl of lies, right? And Jesus responded with declarations of truth. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That's what the Israelites did, right? When they believed the lie that they were alone. They put God to the test in the desert and said, well, is God here or not? Or are we going to die here? Jesus, on the other hand, in very stark contrast, did not let that lie have any ground, not even an inch in his heart. So let's imitate him. Let's imitate Jesus and speak the truth. Don't repeat or believe in the lies. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to believe a bunch of lies declare the truth instead. He wants worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And as we know, the truth shall set us free.